Welcome to the Edit Your Life podcast. I'm Christine Coe. And I'm Asha Dornfest, and we're here to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. We share practical ways to declutter your home schedule and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. And we believe that baby steps are the key to getting there. Hello, Edit Your Life friends. I am so delighted to bring you Laura Vanderkam today. Hi, Laura. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Christine. Oh my gosh. You know, this is so great. I feel like, well, we did meet virtually. No, we met in person like a couple years ago. And then all of our interaction has been very virtual over the last year-ish. And it's been wonderful. <laughs> Every, everyone's interaction, I guess, has, <laughs> has been virtual. But yes, we did, in fact, meet in person yeah. before all this went down. So before we had all... that, that base to go with. Yes. Well, you know, you are really the person I wanted to talk to about today's topic, um, you know, whether it was through Asha and my book, Minimalist Parenting, whether it's been through the podcast, um, we recently did a listener survey. And one of the things we hear about all the time when it comes to scarcity is time. Everybody wants more time or people want to know how to use it better. And um, you are the author of several time management and productivity books, which I will link up. Uh, so really, I couldn't think of a better person to tackle this topic. <laughs> well, I hope I'll live up to that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, would you like to, I'd love to like just um, hear a little backstory as to like how you got to become a time management and productivity expert. Can you give us a little backstory? Yes. Well, it turns out that nobody grows up saying I want to be a time management expert. <laughs> so we can uh, say that that did not happen. Um I've always been interested in productivity-related topics. I like to read books about it. Um, But when I became a parent for the first time about 13 and a half years ago, I realized that how I was um, viewing my time was going to need to, you know, be dialed up a bit, Um, that there's more demands on your time, um, then you need to figure out how to spend it well, Um, you know, in the immediate case, it's like, how do I continue to do things like advance my career, write my books, give my speeches, and also hang out with my kid and get enough sleep and do the other things I want to do, like running and singing and all my various hobbies. Um, and the good news I learned is I really do think there are enough hours in the week to get to all those things, to spend a good amount of time on all those things. And I realized that a lot of the literature surrounding work and life topics was was pretty negative, and I hoped to be something a little bit different from that, because there are many people who are doing a bang-up job on all sorts of levels on many different departments in life, and so, you know, I want to talk to them. How are they spending their time? Because the really cool thing is that none of them have any more time than the rest of us. Now, obviously, people who are fabulously successful and wonderful may have other things going for them. They may be smarter, they may be richer, they may be better looking than all of us, but they do not have more time. And so Uh. I think that is a fascinating lens through which to study how they are allocating this scarce resource and what the rest of us can learn from it. I always think of Beyonce when I think about it. (laughs) And I think that's a good way because, you know, I I have seen how many people have done the hot take of like, well, of course, it doesn't really mean that we have the same number of hours in the day as Beyonce because she's got X, Y, or Z, whatever going for her, which may be true. But, you know, nobody can sleep for Beyonce. That's true. Nobody can, you know, if, I assume she still wants to spend time with her family members. That's not really something you can 
pass off. I mean, you can have, you know, somebody else can make a kid lunch for school, but, you know, you still want to be the one providing a lot of that emotional support. Um, sadly, nobody can exercise for you. <laughs> so if you want oh, to. Oh, man, why is that? <laughs> I, you know, of all the things we could outsource. And now, obviously, yes, you can hire a trainer who will make it more efficient, but the trainer still can't exercise for you. <laughs> like there are certain things you have to devote time to, even if you have all the money in the world, all the resources in the world. And, and so they still have limitations, these people with various other things going on. When it comes to time, we all have limited hours. So it's a question of how we allocate them. And yes, it's probably a little bit easier for, for certain people. But on the other hand, we are all making you know choices within these constraints. Yeah, I love that framing so much. And I think it's worth mentioning that you have a lot of kids. So you are juggling a lot of different schedules, too. Do you mind sharing? Like, a- <laughs> uh, Sure. Yeah, no, I have five children. Um, <laughs> they range in age from 13 to one. Um, yeah, no, it's a lot of different logistical details. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, I mean, you know, it was one thing when like everyone was in school all day, uh-huh. um, but we're in a district that has a hybrid model. And unfortunately, everyone's hybrid is like different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and then the other day we had a snow day thrown into it. So it was hybrid with, you know, the wrong start times for everything too. So confusing. Uh, so, <laughs> yes, I, I've given up. <laughs> oh, I tell well, my kids they better show up at their class because I don't remember when it is. <laughs> yeah, the, this is the time to like put, put the responsibility in the hands of the kids, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Well, let's zoom out. I, I really love, you know, as we you were talking about that lens of like, we're really all, we have, you know, this finite number of hours. <laughs> so let's start big picture. And um, I think it's so interesting. One of the things that you've written about a lot, and I guess you probably learned a lot from all the interviewing you did, but was, you know, what are you, what's a snapshot of your findings for why some people feel relaxed about time while others do not? Is there like a simple way to explain that? I think that time is all about how we perceive it. And there are a couple things you can do to feel more in control of time, to feel more like time is abundant. Um, one that is very, very simple is just to watch your language. Like if you're always running around talking about how crazy busy you are and how Mm. you have no time for X, Y, or Z, well, then you start to believe it and you start to see evidence for that Mm. wherever you look. And yes, in a busy life, I'm sure you can find plenty of evidence that things are crazy, things are busy, but you can probably also find evidence that things are fine, like Uh that you do have enough time for something that you wish to do. So it's a question of which evidence you are looking for and which evidence you choose to highlight. So that's a very simple thing. Um, A second thing that I always encourage people to do is to have some sort of designated weekly planning time. And I know that sounds kind of boring, um, but it's just it doesn't have to involve washi tape and fun pens and, you know, a hundred dollar planner. It can like if you're into that, like Uh it's awesome. Uh, I have a notebook from Target, and that is what I use. But if you have some time where you know that you will look at what is on your plate for the upcoming week, um, what commitments have you made, and what would you like to do with your time? What are your top priorities, both professionally and personally? I use the categories of career, relationships, and self. Um, Just a couple of things in Uh each. What would you like to do over the next week? Where can those things go? Um, How can you prepare for any other commitments that you have? Uh, What are all the logistical things that need to happen for any of your fun to happen? Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. If you do that week after week, you'll get a better sense of all the plates that are spinning and which ones need a little help to keep spinning and which ones are doing fine and and which you can take your eye off for a bit. And that helps you feel more in control as well. Mm, Yeah, I love that. And I just want to come back to your first point, which I think is so interesting about the the language and watching your language, because I went through this stretch of time where I really felt like, you know, the sort of default, the cultural default is, is to say, oh, my gosh, everything is so crazy. It's so busy. It's so terrible. And I had realized that everything was fine. So I decided to start instead of that default response when somebody would say, how are you? I would say, actually, things are really great. And <laughs> And it was like the most fascinating social psychology experiment because people's faces would be like, I I, I don't know what to do with that. (laughs) Really? (laughs) So it is interesting and it just takes a little intention. So I I really love that you started there. I think that's great. Well, we're going to talk more about planning and tactics, which I'm very excited about. And we'll do that after a quick break. Did you know that hyaluronic acid naturally occurs in our skin, but decreases gradually as we age, leading to thinner, drier skin? If you're looking for support hydrating your skin from the inside out, check out one of the tools in my hydration arsenal, Rituals Hyacera, clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I take Hyacera every morning with my first glass of water. And like all of the ritual products I have tried, the capsule actually smells good. Rituals products are tested and validated by a third party for allergens, microbes, and heavy metals. They also engage in industry-leading sustainability standards and are a female-founded B Corp, which means they hold themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. Want to join me in hydrating from the inside out? Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash edit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash edit for 25% off. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Oftentimes, when asked to think about what one would do with a bonus hour, people reference things like exercise, play, and rest. These are all super important things, and I would recommend adding getting the support you need and deserve to your list. As a mom, independent business owner, and human blessed with many relationships, I spend a lot of time giving. So one of the greatest gifts of therapy for me has been the ability to know that someone is holding space for and listening to me. No filter required. I adjust my session frequency as needed, and it is a huge comfort knowing support is there for me. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. This online therapy platform was designed to remove the traditional barriers to therapy and make mental health care more accessible to everyone. Simply fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com edit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash edit. Okay, friends, we are back with the wonderful Laura Vandekam, time management expert, productivity, wonderful human. Hi. (laughs) So good. I like to be a wonderful human. Yeah, yeah. So before the break, you were talking about planning, washi tape or otherwise. And I will say that I I do admire the people who have the pretty bullet journals, but my handwriting is so terrible that I have never been able to do that. 
Um, so you have, you believe that time is best approached from this sort of holistic week perspective rather than a single day. So and you've written a whole book on it. So I would love to, for you to share a little bit more about that. I know you talked a little bit about the sort of buckets you talk about, um, you know, before the break and just sort of any recommendations or pitfall pitfalls for people to watch out for as they plan their week. Yeah. So there are 168 hours in a week, which is not a number I knew until I was basically writing about this concept. And I'm like, huh, 24-7. People say 24-7 all the time and no one ever multiplies it through. Uh, it turns out there are 168 hours in a week. Now your listeners know. And the reason this is important is because it gives you a very different perspective on time. Um, just a little math for our, our enjoyment here is that there, <laughs> if you work 40 hours a week, so pretty standard full-time job, sleep eight hours a night. So that is 56 hours per week. There are 72 hours for other things. Wow. That's a lot is, of hours. Well, that's a lot of hours. <laughs> and, you know, if you're working 50 hours, you got 62 hours for other things. And if you're working 60, you got 52 hours for other things. But, I mean, there's still a lot of time. And so right there, the idea that it might be impossible to have, say, a full-time job and a fulfilling personal life um, seems you know, maybe like that's not the case, right? Like those uh -huh. 72 hours could probably be used for something. Like if you are telling yourself, like, I can't exercise and have a full-time job. Well, it does seem that perhaps in those 72 hours, we might be able to find a little bit of time or even in 52 hours, if that happens to be the case. But the more important part for the, the 168 hours is, is not just the math. It's about recognizing that things don't have to happen daily and they do not have to happen at the same time every day in order to count in our lives and a lot of the harsh trade-offs that people talk themselves into believing are there are because they're trying to fit everything into one 24-hour day. And so you're like, oh, well, today I worked late at work, so I didn't, you know, cook a family dinner. Or I, you know, had a something happen in my personal life, so it was not a hugely productive day for work. Or, you know, I have all these things I want to do. I want to study French and read novels and, you know, go to this spin class or whatever it is. Uh -huh. And I didn't do all of them today. Uh. Well, yes. Okay. You didn't in 24 hours. Um, there are not enough hours in the day to get to everything you want to get to, but none of that stuff needs to happen daily or at the same time every day. Like if you went to, you know, two spin classes a week and then you know, virtual or otherwise, I guess, um, and then did, you know, two walks on the weekend. Like, wait, we're exercising four times a week, right? It didn't happen at the same time every day, but it didn't have to. Um, or the same thing, you know, if you work late two nights a week, well, there's five other nights. Uh -huh. <laughs> and you didn't work late on those nights. Um, so why are we, you know, talking ourselves into all sorts of, you know, work-life trade-off knots about those two nights? when there are five other nights that we could also focus on as well. So I just think that this holistic perspective keeps us from, you know, coming into these conflicts that, that really just aren't conflicts if you take a broader view uh -huh. of time. Uh -huh. Yeah, I love that too, because I know that when I, if it's like Sunday and I'm looking, I always like to do like the week look ahead that day. And if you are looking at it just across the week instead of on a day, day by day basis, you know, that's when I plug in and think, okay, well, like that day is just meetings all day long. So it's going to be breakfast for dinner. You know, I'm not, <laughs> um, you know, and then you can maybe plan something that you like to cook on another night. I think it just gives you a little more, um, I don't know, as you said, like a more realistic kind of perspective on what, what can be done. 
And you can also then look forward to your cool dinner. Like on Wednesday, you're like, yeah, yeah, it's just going to be, you know, <laughs> freezer waffles <laughs> yeah. for dinner, whatever it is. <laughs> Maybe your breakfast for dinner is slightly more elaborate. but It's not. But, <laughs> but then you know that like, Yes, that's the case tonight, but Thursday evening is going to be awesome. So it, it just allows you to manage your energy through the yeah. week and not feel yes. defeated about Wednesday because you know some good stuff is coming up. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. I like that. All right. Well, I, you know, it's so funny. Like, I feel like, um, I, I feel like I've already learned a ton <laughs> just talking to you, but I would love to hear some of your favorite time management tactics. I mean, they can be for any time, but I also think, especially right now, people are struggling, you know, with those hours and feeling like they have enough hours, um, especially if you're juggling remote schooling and you don't feel like you have a lot of time to yourself. So what would be a few sort of top tactics that are pretty simple to implement? Well, one thing that's maybe not entirely simple, but is worth trying if you never have is tracking your time for a week. Mm. Um, just as a general audit of life, um, you want to know where the time is going because people often talk themselves into this idea that they need to spend their time better. Something needs to change. But if you don't know where the time is going now, mm. you know, how do you know if you're changing the right thing? Mm -hmm. Right. Something you thought was a problem maybe isn't. Maybe something you've not even thought about is a problem. So we want to we want to make sure we are working from good data. And the best way to get that data is to try tracking your time for a week. So, yes, it is not exactly fun. Um, but it is worth doing because you want to make sure that any stories you are telling yourself about your time are true. A, a very popular story is I have no free time whatsoever. Okay. So <laughs> that's, that is a story. Yep. I'm guessing that it's not true for most people. What they actually mean is that they don't have as much free time as they want. Right. And when you track your time, that's what you'll see. You're like, well, I have some, but it's not as much as I want. But when you have that different story, right, I have some then you can come up with better questions like, well, how could I scale this up? How can I make sure I know when my free time is going to happen? Or how can I have better things to do within this free time um, rather than operating from, say, a story that you have no free time whatsoever? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, you know, that's that's a good tactic for anyone to try. <laughs> I know there's some like resistance. I can already feel the resistance. Your no, listeners I, are like, no, no, <laughs> my, don't make our, me do that. Our listeners are into it, but um, I, I actually, but it is useful. I mean, that is something I talk about calendar auditing all the time. You you have to know like the weeks that are feeling totally terrible versus the ones that feel too empty in order to know what's right for you, you know? So the information is really important. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of other stuff, especially with people who are dealing with remote schooling right now, um, you really need to triage your day's to-do list. Uh, a, it should be really short. Um, I, I don't know what's with people making these forty-item to-do lists. I mean, you're not gonna, you're not gonna do forty items. Like you'll do some of them, but like which ones? Were they the ones that actually had to happen, or just the ones that were easiest, or were screaming loudest, or whatever it was? Um, so much shorter. You know, three to five things that absolutely have to get done today. You can maintain some other list somewhere else of all the things in life you might wish to do at some point. But your daily list should be very, very focused, prioritized. You know, if the power was to go out at noon, what 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 would you want to have done? Mm. Um, and that's uh -huh. actually possibly a good mindset, too, is to get those things done first. Um, uh -huh. I'm sure a lot of your listeners who are Doing um, the remote schooling thing, maybe getting up early. If you have older children, for instance, who who don't you know wake up at the crack of dawn, maybe there's some time before they're up that you can work. 
Um, if there is um, time that you are, for instance, trading off with a partner in terms of who is in charge during any given hour, um, make sure you're doing the work that requires focus during the time that you have the focus while you have the coverage. Uh, clean out your inbox some other point. Like, right, don't uh-huh. don't sit down when you finally have somebody else in charge of the kids and be like, let me clean out my inbox. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> don't do that. It's just the way of madness. Yeah, this is really interesting because I, I actually am one of these people who has a very long daily to-do list, mostly because I need to be very granular, so like to reduce my brain drain. So any project, for example, is broken down into a whole bunch of subtasks. But I do agree that, you know, every day when I sit down, I I try to identify just like the top few things that absolutely must get done that day so I don't kind of get overwhelmed by the rest of the list. Yeah, I think the problem is, um, you know, people have more things on the list than they can actually do in a day. It would be one thing if you had 40 extremely short, small steps, right? Yes. You know, if they take four minutes a piece, well, that's 160 minutes, and that can, in fact, fit in a work day. But if you don't know that, right, like if Uh they are untimed things, like who even knows what this means? You know, research new guests. Well, (laughs) what does that even mean? That'll be something that's on a podcaster's to-do list for the day. It's like, okay, well, let's let's drill that down a little bit or Uh um, edit entire book. Like, no, no, (laughs) (laughs) we we need to be a little bit more focused um, and make sure that whatever we are assigning ourselves for a given day can, in fact, fit within the hours that are available to work on that day. Mm-hmm. And is your simple, um, I use an app because I, as I mentioned earlier, my handwriting is terrible. Is your target notebook, that's also your to-do list manager? Yep, it okay. is. Okay. No, <laughs> I just, really I always, fancy. I just love hearing, you know, how different productive people do it. So. I feel like it probably could be a bullet journal if I were cool like that. I don't know. Um, your handwriting is pretty good. I saw it. I sat next to you in a meeting. It's not really a bullet journal. <laughs> it's um, in, in the sense that it's, I mean, not writer Carol approved or something. It's just, <laughs> it's just how I've always done notes and done my to-do lists and priority lists. So it works for me. All right. All right. Any other like key time management tactics? Um, so you want to make sure that you don't distract yourself. Um, I encourage people to um, try if if you are in a time that you can control, right, where you're not going to be distracted, then put in certain breaks at certain times um, and work up until the break. Mm. It is so easy to get distracted by something. And, it, and it's often very well intentioned. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm writing this memo. And I know my colleague sent me a bit of information that I need to incorporate into this memo. Let me just go look in my inbox to mm. find it. <laughs> and then, Rabbit hole. Rabbit hole. 20 minutes later, you're still in your inbox. You've lost that focus time you had. So the world is distracting enough. Don't distract yourself. If anything like that occurs to you that you need to find, just write it down on a list to go look for at a scheduled break and just plot ahead. Like unless it is absolutely critical that you must know that exact thing. Mostly you can get around it. I I spent years, you know, writing for like magazines and newspapers. We would put in TK to come, right? Mm -hmm, It means mm -hmm. it's and, you know, it's like, I'll get this statistic later. I'll put a quote about this later, yes. but yes, I'm going to yes, keep yes. writing the piece. Yeah. Do you, sorry, I keep thinking of uh, different questions, but, and do you block your email time? Do you say, do you like stay off it and then have assigned hours during the day? I try to. Um, it's more that I have the certain tasks that I need to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And I know roughly when I plan to do those. And then when I'm done with one, then I can, you know, take an email break. 
Got it. Um, but yeah, I will let it stack up quite a bit and then try to crunch through things that seem urgent maybe at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it's interesting. Like the end of the day doesn't seem crazy to me. Um, but I've had a number of things happen lately where people have reached out to me like in the morning and I responded in the afternoon. And these are, you know, again, it's like people reaching out to me. Like I didn't know them necessarily. And they're like, well, I had to make other plans because I didn't hear from you. Oh, <laughs> like, well, that's our culture speaking, right? Like our immediate <laughs> immediate gratification culture is ridiculous. So I'm like, well, OK, well, you know, if you're if you're asking me about my, you know, productivity secrets, that's one of them. <laughs> well, I and I will say, like, there is one of the other it doesn't always work out like this. But one of the benefits of not being in that email all the time is sometimes like a a solution will emerge with you, without you having to do anything. If like, if it's multiple people on a thread, you know, other people will true. solve the problem. So that's a good thing. That's true. Remove yourself from it. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, we have a couple more topics I want to ask you about, and we'll do that after a quick break. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. Okay, friends, we are back. Laura, let's talk about early morning productivity. So. You had um, mentioned this earlier, but a lot of people, like many people, I've shifted my work hours to accommodate the juggle. This usually involves starting work at 7 a.m. before breakfast. You have a podcast and a book on this very topic of getting things done before breakfast. So why do you think this approach is important? And what would you say to the people who are like, oh my gosh, I'm so not a morning person? So 
there's nothing inherently good about morning hours. It's just that for most people, this is the most practical time to do things that are important but not urgent, that life has a way of crowding out. Mm. Um, And I had seen this over the years as I've studied people's time logs. If you came, you know, if I came across somebody who had a big career and was raising a family and then they also exercised regularly, it almost always happened first thing in the morning. Or if this person happened to be writing a novel, it was it was going to be happening in the morning. Or if they had a particularly profound spiritual life, like they're you know reading spiritual texts or meditating or praying every, you know, it's always going to be in the morning. Right. And mm-hmm. that there's. It's because this is time you can have often for your own priorities before everybody else wants a piece of you. (laughs) Um, You know, you may decide like, oh, yeah, I'll leave the office at four o'clock and go to the gym and work out then. But, you know, then your biggest client calls at 345 or, you know, a colleague puts something on your desk right at four and you're dealing with it and the window may disappear, Um, whereas there tend to be fewer emergencies first thing in the morning. Mornings tend to be more regimented for most people. They tend to wake up at the same time, do the same thing, then, you know, start their work days or or otherwise start their days. And so if you build something into your morning, it will become a routine just because mornings tend to be more routine, whereas the end of the day tends to be a little bit more all over the map for people. I I can see that from time logs. Like people who wake up at the same time every day don't always go to bed at the same time every day. I I don't know why that is, but... um, because I think if you have a wake up time, you should also have a bedtime. But uh, people I don't. love bedtime. Well, that that makes so much sense. I don't think I'd ever thought of that. But it it is true. Like the morning, you know, my morning is very regimented. I get up, I have my coffee, get the kids sorted. And then I like do a quick triage on work. And then I do yoga. And it happens at 730 every morning. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, because it's a time you know what can happen. It's a time that is is built into your schedule. Um, and, and I know not everyone is a morning person. There, there's a couple things I would say to that. I mean, one is look at your schedule. If you are doing your best, most creative work at night, awesome. Like, don't change, right? Uh-huh. Like, that. that is absolutely fine. However, many people are not actually spending the hours before they go to bed writing the great American novel, right? Like, they uh-huh. are watching Netflix. Um, <laughs> they are scrolling around online. Uh-huh. Um And when you, the people who are doing that say, I'm not a morning person, what's often more the case is that they are tired in the morning. Uh, And uh and that's a different matter. That's a function of when you went to bed. So if you are tired in the morning, it may be that you need to go to bed earlier. And if you do go to bed earlier, then you can get up on time and turn what might be really unproductive hours before you go to bed, right? That, you know, scrolling around online hours because you don't have the energy to do anything else. If you wake up with enough energy because you got enough sleep, well, then you can have those productive hours in the morning. You know, most people are not going to exercise at 10 p.m., but a lot of people will exercise at like 6 Uh a.m. They're not going to write that novel at 10 p.m. They might write it at 6 a.m. So it's it's a matter of turning what could be what is personal time, but is not very usable time at the end of the day into morning time that would be usable. Uh Um, And by shifting your sleep schedule, you might be able to do that. I love it. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the in-bed reading by 9.30. So <laughs> I'm an old lady like that. Um, well, the last topic I want to talk to you about is, um, you know, we talked right at the front end about people saying they don't have time to take care of themselves. And also, I know you and I are very aligned in really believing in the importance of relationships and making sure you sort of give that enough love. 
you know, what would you, I know you've given a ton of tips on, um, how to make that happen, but what, do you have any other key recommendations, particular, particularly related to what I'll say very simply as self-care or kind of, you know, nurturing your relationships, especially right now when it's difficult to see people? Well, the best thing you can do is recognize that those are two areas that are important and Mm -hmm. should deserve um, a place on your schedule. So I mentioned the idea of a designated weekly planning time. And I said, well, we have three buckets that Mm -hmm. we're thinking about career relationships self. And the cool thing about making a three category priority list for the upcoming week is you're not going to then leave one of those categories blank. Like people don't make a three category list and then not put something in a category. Mm -hmm. Um, And so right there that can nudge you to think about it and say, well, what would be my top relationship priority for the next week? What would be a top personal priority for the next week? And just by identifying what that might be or coming up with something, if, if you don't have anything on your schedule for the next week, then, then your mind is kind of turning that way. And then you can put it on the calendar. And when you put something that you have thought to do on the calendar, it just vastly increases the chances that it actually happens. Um, so I encourage people to do that. I, you may need to get creative with the relationship part uh, these days, but, you know, do it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I guess that's that's the simplest thing. I um, wrote in one of my newsletters recently about a, a book I've been reading from um, Shasta Nelson, who's a friendship expert, and you know wrote a book that is uh, humorously called "Friendships Don't Just Happen," um, which <laughs> it's true. Though. It's true. That's the tough love <laughs> title right there. Uh, and and one of the things she says in there is like, if you say that you want closer, more meaningful friendships, well, I'm going to ask you. Who's on your calendar in the next two weeks? Mm. I'm like, two weeks. <laughs> Does she know how busy I am? But, <laughs> but it's true. And the reason children seem to make friends more easily is because they're seeing their classmates or their campmates or whatever way more often than just once every two weeks even. I mean, yeah. you know, you're, you're at school or you were in the past at least, and that's one of the hardest parts of this pandemic. But Um, you know, that you have that consistent time with people. And so reach out to people. (laughs) I say, you know, set up a outdoor play date with the, you know, kid whose parents you like, (laughs) like, you know, do um, Zoom calls with far flung friends and family. Uh, You know, there's people local to you that you've been missing. See if you can bring your chairs and sit on the driveway in the snow. I mean, yes, it's winter, but like, it doesn't have to be forever. Even just 20 minutes will, will do a lot. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I feel like it's, I I've sort of joked about it with different people, but I feel like the pandemic has made me quite soft when it comes to like, you know, like before pandemic, we'd have sports things and various things on the weekend. And I had like some recent weekend where there were three things on the calendar and I was like, whoa, I don't know if I can handle it. But um, I did say to myself at one point, over the last few weeks, like I want to put one social friend thing each weekend. Like it could just be a zoom. It could be like a power walk together, but there's got to be something, you know, and I think that's like, I think it's just so crucial to sanity right now. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, it's just good to talk to people. I was, you know, at some place where I was able to talk with people the other night and it was like, (laughs) 
Wow. This is exciting. <laughs> this is exciting. I mean, I, I feel a little awkward, socially awkward, like I've lost my touch, but yes. <laughs> hopefully nobody will hold it against me. You seem to be doing fine. All right. Well, Laura, at the end of each episode, Asha and I share what we call your next edit. It's something tactical that listeners can consider doing straight away. I know you have many options, but I would love to hear what your next edit is in the context context of our conversation today. Yeah. So on, when you're doing your your planning for the upcoming week, um, you know, you're thinking about what you want to build into your life, what wonderful things you want to happen, you know, what commitments are there and what you need to do to prepare for them. Take a quick look and say, you know, is there anything on this list like I don't want to do? Like what's on my calendar for the next week mm-hmm. that I don't want to do? And then see, well, can I get out of it? I mean, because maybe you can't, but if you can and you think you're going to cancel it, like it's so much better to do it ahead of time because then everyone can make other plans. Um, You could also maybe minimize something. I think it's always worth looking through any meetings that are already on your calendar, for instance, and say, why are we having this meeting? (laughs) Like, let's let's spend 10 (laughs) minutes looking through what's on the calendar and and asking that question, like, you know, do we really need to to meet for an hour? Do we think it could happen in 20 minutes? Like, could we maybe have a phone call right now and hash out whatever this thing is? Um, but but just by taking a few minutes to triage what is already on your calendar, you can literally buy yourself hours. I love it. I love it. Well, Laura, this has been so fun. And, you know, thank you so much for taking the time out of your valuable schedule to come on our show today. Well, thank you so much for having me. So great. Okay, friends, you will find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources we've mentioned at edityourlifeshow.com. As ever, we love chatting with you online. This week, we'd like to know if you had a free hour right now, what would you do with it? Hop over to facebook.com slash edityourlifeshow and look for the question of the week pinned to the top of the page. Or you can chat with us on Instagram at edityourlifeshow. And we'd be delighted if you would take a moment to review our show on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom and Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.